It was a very cruel scene. Executed in an unusual manner. Hey, Cruel Coven. Hey, shit biscuits. <laughs> wow. wow. That one was just <laughs> seat in my pants. Uh, welcome to Cruel and Unusual. You did it. You're here. You pressed play again. I don't know what you're expecting, <laughs> but I hope it's not much. <laughs> Did you already say I'm Katie? No, I'm Katie Verderamo. <laughs> Great. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm Tori. I'm Tori Ellis. Sometimes Victoria. Sometimes Vicky. Just kidding. If you ever call me Vicky, it won't end well. Got it, Vicky. It won't. Got it, Vicky. Won't end <laughs> well. You're going to get this knuckle Vicky. sandwich. No offense to the Vickies. I'm not a Vicky. This girl one time, I think I saw her online or something. Her name was Victoria and she went by Vic. Oh, yeah. Just V-I-C. Chic. Yeah, very chic. It's just Vic. Chic or badass. Yeah. Like you're very like, uh, you're like a posh spice or you're scary spice. Mm -hmm. There's no in between with a name like Vic. No in between. Mm -mm. Okay. Now that we've just really uh, got rid of every listener we had. (laughs) (laughs) oh this is cruel and unusual the podcast we're all here all right we're gonna sit Uh, in a circle now and put your hands in your lap no funny business neatly um happy episode 58 is it 58 it's 58 wow we're just climbing the ladder here we're we're truly honestly sincerely just climbing but it feels like we've been in the high 50s for a lifetime i know i feel like every time that i go to like do something on patreon or you know on anchor i'm typing 50 something we haven't hit 60 yet yeah what's going on we do have more than we have over 60 episodes but some of them are bonus that don't have a number little minis yeah in the beginning that we did on tuesdays yeah, little mini sausages um mini vienna sausages vienna sausages we're recording a little bit early this week we're we're like a day early we normally record on sundays and today's saturday it's saturday i got my second covid shot today and i don't know if i'm gonna get sick tomorrow yeah so i'm like we gotta do it today just in case and if you're not a little Patreoni pepperoni, you wouldn't know that. But if you are, <laughs> then we talked about it briefly in the convo before the combo. Yep. I went full zombie. Full zombie. Full zombie today. She has a penis for a nose. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't get that reference, you're not an OG from two episodes ago. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Hopefully you don't get sick. Yeah. I, both my husband and I got sick. 24 hours after, yeah. for 24 hours, it was devastatingly annoying, but probably still not as bad as catching COVID, potentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but my grandma and Ray did not. I hear a lot of old people don't get sick. Yeah, I was thinking, because tomorrow my kids are not going to be home, my husband will be home, and Ugh. I might just, even if I don't feel sick, I might just pretend. Pretend. I might just pretend, mm-hmm. just to lay in bed. Hopefully There's a lot of laundry won't. to fold. Yeah. I know, I really don't want to feel like shit for a day. <sighs> But it just takes a whole day away. Yeah, exactly. And you feel like poop, but you could just sleep, take some Benadryl, knock out, wake Mm -hmm. up on Monday. Yeah. And if I feel fine, I might still just do that. Just pretend. (laughs) So should we do the QOTDW or should we do the article first? Whatever your little heart desires. I was literally just thinking that in my head. (laughs) That's so weird. We are the same Let's do the QOTDW and I have one for you. All right. Came to us on Twitter. I don't know why you guys are still tweeting and messaging me on there because I'm never on there. You need to go on there. (laughs) I want you guys to keep doing it. Pressure me. Tweet me. Message me. Make her feel very guilty. Slap her ass. (laughs) Call her Sally and get it done. But really, I mean, the more tweets and stuff I see, like if someone asks me, I'll go Mm. on there and reply. Right. So if I just keep seeing them, I'll just keep going on there. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so, but I got a message from Angela, different Angela, Angela Christine on Twitter. And Angela Christine wants to know, are you guys actually related? And if you are, how so? Because I feel like I remember you mentioning something about you guys sharing a grandmother in an old episode. <laughs> we shared her. I had I had every other weekend. We had half. We we sh- <laughs> we split custody with that grandma yeah. of ours. Oh, <laughs> so cute. We are sister wives. We truly are. No. Um. Yeah, we're related. Yeah. We are, what is it? Is it third cousin? We're third cousins twice removed. <laughs> well, I never understood what that meant. I don't understand that twice either. Removed. And we're not removed. They're, they're, we're very just here. <laughs> Can I be removed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone remove me. Please. Just kidding. Don't. Yeah, we are cousins. We're third cousins. 
but we've just grown up together. Mm-hmm. We've just kind of been a staple in each other's lives ever since I came out of the womb. Yep. We lived like a couple streets away from each other. Our family on Katie's mom's side and my dad's side were very, very close. Yeah. Yeah. So Tori's dad and my mom are first cousins. Your grandma and my grandma were sisters. Yeah. And we had the best little grandmas. Yeah. Literally little. Little. They were they little. Were, they were tiny. Um, yeah. And then the grandma that we shared was Grandma Bun, our great grandma. Yeah. She was Real cute. cute. I, she And she's the one who I talk about sometimes when I say that she instilled anxiety in me in a young mm-hmm. age. Love her, bless her, God love and soul. But she was a little scary. She was a little scary. She kept a, a yardstick in her bathroom. Yeah. So we wouldn't take too much toilet paper. <laughs> one square for a pee. Uh-huh. Two squares for a poo. That's it. And no more than That's that. That's all you get. And she always told me if I sat too close to the TV, I'd go blind. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't that make a second cousins instead of third? I don't know. I thought it was third. I don't know. Me either. Someone let us know. It doesn't really matter. Don't Um, do math to figure it out. We do get mistaken for sisters everywhere Everywhere. we go. Always. Every time. For our whole lives. Yep. Every time. when we were younger and we would walk around Walmart... We would give ourselves different names <laughs> and we would like go around walking and call even an accent. <laughs> <laughs> even an accent or two. Um, yeah. So that's a way more than you ever wanted to know about our lives. I'm mm-hmm. sorry about that, Angela, Christina, and everyone else who's still here. Anywho. Anywho. You now. Actually, I'm going to give you my article first all because right. I have the floor today <laughs> and I don't want to be talking too much in a row. They'll all stop listening. All right. So my article is from bbcnews.com and the headline is Italian hospital employee accused of skipping work for 15 years. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> explain. <laughs> I will. Um, it was written three days ago and it doesn't have an author. Does it have an author down here? No. Hmm. Okay. So everything that I'm about to say is going to be a quote. A hospital employee in Italy has been accused of skipping work on full pay (laughs) for 15 years, local media reports. The man is alleged to have stopped turning up to work at (laughs) at a hospital there in the southern city of Catanzaro in 2005. That's when he was last there? Guess so. Oh, no. He is now being investigated for fraud, extortion, and abuse of office. Mm. Italian news agency ANSA reports. He was reportedly paid 538,000 euros. In total, over the years, he is thought to not have been working. Six managers at the hospital are also being investigated in connection with the alleged absenteeism. Oh, wow. So, like, they knew, maybe. That was a group effort. Yeah. Maybe they were splitting the money. Wow. Those euros. Thought. Huh. Oh. All the euros. The arrests are the result of a lengthy police investigation into absenteeism and suspected fraud in the Italian public sector. The employee was a civil servant and was assigned to a job in the hospital in 2005. That job hasn't been getting done for 15 years. Somebody had to have been doing it, whatever the job was, right? How would they? How would it take 15 years to know a job wasn't being right. done? There's got to be more to this story. It was at this point that he stopped going to work, the police said back in 2005. The police have also accused him of threatening his manager to stop her from filing a disciplinary report against him. Oh, wow. The manager later retired, police added, and his ongoing absence was never noticed by her successor or human resources. wow and that's the end of the article okay it's kind of iconic honestly he's one of the truest swindlers that's a long time how do you keep up a shindig like that for 15 years without being just a ball of anxious energy constantly i would that would make me so nervous right well all right okay what's your article mine is from the telegraph written by danielle dimitrio Oh, the headline is Japanese man arrested after dating 35 women at the same time in bid to get birthday presents. What? What was he arrested for? He I didn't wanted read this. to get 35 birthday presents. <laughs> yeah. He, wow. Okay. So it says a Japanese man has been arrested after reportedly dating more than 35 women at the same time. Takashi Miyagawa, a part-time worker, is being investigated for allegedly defrauding dozens of women by pretending he was serious about each of their relationships and receiving hundreds of pounds worth of gifts from them. Is that a crime? Is that a crime to make someone like you and not really like them? I don't know. 
He was apparently caught out when the women joined forces to create a victim's association after discovering his extensive infidelity and reported him to the police, according to local media. Holy fuck. Among the claims is that he gave each woman a different date for his birthday, ensuring a constant stream of gifts throughout the year. What the fuck, dude? He had to have like an Excel sheet to keep all that shit like straight. Yeah. One 47-year-old woman reportedly thought his birthday was on February 22nd. Another aged 40 was told it was July, while another 35-year-old believed his birthday was in April. In total, he allegedly received around 100,000 yen worth of gifts from the women, including a $200, 200-euro-dollar suit. <laughs> I'm oh. dumb. I'm sorry. Miyagawa allegedly began his dating spree while working for a marketing company selling shower products. He is accused of targeting at least 35 single women through his work. Maybe that's why it's a crime. Oh, okay. So he got their names from his work Mm -hmm. database. I can see that. Okay. Allegedly pretending to each that the relationship was serious and saying he wanted to spend his life with them. Yeah. A report by MBS News included photographs apparently showing Miyagawa with women in different locations, such as a park and a restaurant. Police are reportedly investigating to find out whether any other women were taken in by the alleged serial dating scheme. Serial dating scheme. That is quite Uh the terminology. I feel very terrible for the women. Yeah. Like, that fucking sucks. But I don't know if it's a crime to make someone fall in love with you. Right. I don't think so. But But I I just hate it for them. Yeah. I think it's because he got their information from his job. Yeah. I bet that that's, like, where the, like, law comes Mm -hmm. in, right? Yeah. The story oh. the story elicited mixed responses online with one reader commenting that he's an awful person but I envy his time management skills. I mean truly. <laughs> right. I'm I'm telling you he probably really did have to have something to keep all of that information Is that straight. really worth it? Getting Honestly. a gift? No. Oh lord. That's like a headache. That's just a headache. That is very impressive but very sad. I feel like it wasn't about the gifts. I feel like it was just about the manipulation. Probably. You know? He's probably just enjoying manipulating women and making women fall in love with him only Mm -hmm. to disappoint them in the end. Womanizer. So are we diving head first or are we diving head first? I don't want to hit my head, but yeah, let's just dive. I'll hit your head for you. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So before we kind of get into everything, I want to just talk about something called a pamper party. Oh, it sounds fun, right? Like sounds you, like diapers. You, you no, like like a pay, you're gonna get pampered. Oh, the first thing like, I thought of was pampers. Yeah, so like you go and you get pampered. You take a load off. You have someone massage you, give you a mani pedi, bring you cocktails or mocktails or perhaps even a little Debbie, <laughs> an oatmeal cream pie. I'm getting carried away, but honestly. A pamper party. Does that not sound fun and relaxing? Yeah. A pamper party is defined as, and this isn't my definition, it'll be linked in the sources, quote, a female-oriented party in which the guest receives beauty and massage treatments and generally spends time to indulge and pamper themselves. Okay. Pamper parties are usually held in the hostess's home, but they are sometimes offered by spas and salons. In the UK, a pamper party is a popular component of a hen party or a hen weekend, which would be termed a bachelorette party in the US. Okay. Pamper parties are usually considered to be a healthy indulgence. In addition to pampering treatments, the hostess usually provides healthy snacks, fruit juices, and smoothies. And that's from Wikipedia. However, the type of pamper party that I'm about to tell you about is anything but relaxing, fun, or healthy for some of the participants. The pamper parties that were held at the Nygaard Key were a front, allegedly, for a much deeper, darker nightmare. Yikes. So just to paint you a quick picture, this is a quote. Luxury resort Nygaard Key in the Bahamas really is one of a kind. It is unlikely you will find another resort quite like it. It has been voted as being one of the most unusual (laughs) (laughs) rental villas in the world. Bahamas luxury Nygaard Key is on 4.2 acres at the end of Lyford Key on the island of Nassau, New Providencia. This is 22 minutes from Paradise Island, Nassau, 
Bahamas. Nygaard Key is owned by famous fashion designer Peter Nygaard, and it is one of the largest and most breathtaking multi-million dollar homes in the world. There are 10 bedrooms at Nygaard Key, and it has everything from cliff-hanging bedrooms to fire-breathing dragons to exotic plants and animals. There are also an additional two bedrooms on board the 82-foot yacht, which comes with the property. Nygaard Key has a 24-seat movie theater with three screens. The center screen is 20 feet wide and there are two side screens which are 10 feet wide. They can play one, two, three movies simultaneously. At Nygaard Key, there are water slides, a human aquarium, whatever that means. A human aquarium? That's what it says. I'm sorry. And, and many, many spa pools. Many craftsmen have used tons of stone to create this colossal pre-Columbian structure. There is a 32,000-foot grand hall with a 100,000-pound glass ceiling. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on the human aquarium. Isn't that not just a pool? I don't know. I, tr- I don't know if there's humans inside of the aquarium. Because that's what I'm picturing. Like humans pretending I was to be too. mermaids. Like, yeah, like the mermaids. But mm-hmm. then I'm thinking, like, wouldn't that just be a pool? <laughs> no clue. <laughs> All right. Um, the, the key is inspired by the Mayan civilization, which had some of the finest architecture throughout the history of the world. End quote. That is from resortworld.com, where it was listed as a rental at one point. Okay. But before, and the human aquarium is really throwing me off. I mean, not even fire-breathing dragons. It says that in there. But the most intriguing thing to me was a human aquarium. So I just Googled human aquarium. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is, and I don't think this has anything to do with what we're talking about. But let me just read you this little thing. Okay. Claude Louis Delaire was a French vaudeville performance artist and magician known as Mac Norton. He was called the Human Aquarium for his controlled regurgitation of live animals, including fish, turtles, and frogs, as well as his ability to water spout. What the fuck? So I don't think that was like a um, attraction I don't think that at this attraction. resort, but isn't just a little, since I didn't give you a fact today. There we go. There you go. Now we have a, now we have a fact. A Shit. useless fact. The Human Aquarium. Okay, now before we get into exactly what's going on at this home of this human aquarium, let's talk <laughs> about the man who is behind Nygaard Key. All right. Peter Nygaard has been called a quote-unquote rags-to-riches story. He was born in Finland on July 24th of 1941. His father's name was Eli and his mother's name was Hilka. They were both bakers who immigrated to Canada in 1952. They first settled in Deloraine, Manitoba, and not long after that, the family moved to Winnipeg. Even though the family only lived in Deloraine for a short time, they actually ended up naming Nygaard Park in honor of him in 2002. For what? You'll find out. All right. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Peter Nygaard and his life growing up and his rags to riches story because he's not a guy to be celebrated or mm-hmm. reminisced on or even really spoken that much about uh, his life. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But I'll give you all kind of like a rough outline or a rundown before we get into the crimes. So Peter grew up with his Baker parents, and he himself has said that he just lived a terribly rough life growing up and that his family had to go without and quite often. Here's just a short audio clip of Peter himself actually describing how he grew up. We lived in a converted coal bin. We didn't have running water. We didn't have uh, heat. We lit up a stove that was middle of the room. Uh, it heated the place, we cooked on it, we had a rusty barrel with all the snow, we were 40 below zero, uh, going to outdoor toilet somewhere, you know, uh, we slept in one bed, we all sagged in the middle of it, uh, you know, laundry and everything over the kitchen table, we collected bottles to make it food. So, I mean, that was him just kind of talking about his, his home life, mm-hmm. right? But despite all of the obstacles that were thrown at him, Peter ended up growing up. He got a business degree at the University of North Dakota, and he then dove headfirst into the fashion world. He got a job at a retail manufacturing company called Jacob Fashions in December of 1967, and the company apparently had a new jeans line, and he started working as a sales manager for that specific line. Peter ended up investing $8,000, which was his life savings, reportedly. He then decided to take out a loan in order to purchase 20% of the company. A few years later, he started building the company as his own after purchasing it from the daughters of the original owner. 
he first renamed Jacob Fashions as Tan J. I don't know what that symbolized. Oh. I don't know. Um, and then Fancy. he went. <laughs> yeah. Peter then went on to found Nygaard International in 1967 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Nygaard International was a women's clothing manufacturer, and the Canadian headquarters is in Toronto, and the Nygaard, Inter- and the Nygaard International World Headquarters is in New York. By 1978, Nygaard International just kind of exploded. He invested, he spent time looking at what worked and what didn't work, and how to go about building his company, figuring out a systematic way of moving forward. He became crazy successful. He had accounts with Dillard's and Sears and Walmarts and Costco's, even down to small store boutiques. I've never even heard of that brand Same. brand name. Same. Wow. Okay. Um, and this is when people started seeing Peter as this rags to riches type of story. And some people called him the quote-unquote polyester king, oh, which I don't know what? if I would want to be A called title. that. <laughs> um, I it, do. I want to be called the polyester king. His line was like, women's wear, everyday casual wear. He did a lot of animal prints and leggings. Mm-hmm. Um, But and now even though people were writing articles about how he was making a bunch of money and he was so successful and he was this quote unquote rags to riches type of story. There were also a lot of people that were in the fashion industry and that knew him and stuff and that were just kind of making fun of him. All right. Kind of like sticking their noses up. Yeah, because he was hmm. not like he was not a fashion designer. Right. He, He was a fashion manufacturer. Okay. And they're different. According to the people that are in the industry. I don't know what the fucking difference is. According to the people it matters to. Yeah. Right. right? (laughs) Yeah. They just kind of used him as the butt of their jokes. And he made it easy just to kind of paint you a picture of Peter Nygaard. He always wore open shirts, like exposing chest hair. Oh. Like 70s. Did he wear gold chains too? Probably. That's what I'm picturing. Probably. Um, He has long hair. Like long, now it's gray. I don't Mm. know what, well, actually, let's just, I'll show you a photo of him. All right. Okay, you guys, I'm showing Katie a photo right now, and then we can explain him to you. Oh. Yeah. Okay, he does look familiar. Yes. But I couldn't tell you this is him, like, now-ish, a few years ago. Yeah. What a hairdo. Yeah, he has, like, long, mullety almost hair. It's not a mullet, but he combs it back, so it almost looks like one. He, you can see him in a lot of photos. He's surrounded by very beautiful women um i wish i could find one he's very bronzed too oh he's very orange yeah um he reminds me a lot of donald j trump yeah in some of his like later interviews when he's speaking he reminds me of him so you guys Mm. he's very orange he's very smiley Mm -hmm. he has long flowing gray white gray hair in the in a lot of the photos now um fairly muscular Mm -hmm. so just the way he talks It's very clear that he's a narcissist. Mm -hmm. Very clear. People compare him to Hugh Hefner a lot. Okay. Like the outfits, the always being surrounded by a bunch of women. It's that vibe. Mm -hmm. I can tell just from the pictures. A whole vibe. That vibe. The outfits, the flamboyance, and the women surrounding him. It it reminds, like I said, it reminds me a lot of Donald Trump. Not that women surround him. Just the narcissism, maybe. Yeah. The orangeness. That realm something of weird gross yeah um I, I don't know it's just gross um now let's talk uh, switch avenues a little bit and talk about nygaard key so nygaard key is the bohemian legendary resort that peter nygaard owned he bought a beach bungalow in 1984 on lyford key for a reported 1.76 million dollars In 1987, he went on to build a 14,000-square-foot compound there. 14,000. Yeah. That's a lot. And compound as in? Everywhere is calling. I don't know if they were calling it a compound before, Uh but they're calling it a compound now. All right. So a little foreshadowing for you. Okay. Okay. Jonathan Shazar, a freelance journalist, says... Lyford Key is on New Providence Island in the Bahamas. It's one of the oldest gated communities in the world, and the price of the homes are anywhere from two to one hundred million dollars. Wow. There's only four hundred something homes, at least when I was researching. So Peter bought that property in nineteen eighty four, and a well known man named Louis Bacon bought the home next door in nineteen ninety four, a decade later. In 2001, the Oprah Winfrey show did a segment on Peter's estate, which he calls Nygaard Key, and Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, which was like a, a show or a segment or something years mm-hmm. ago, did a segment on it in 1992. 
In November of 2009, it was in part destroyed by a huge fire. Rumors swirled that it was started due to a feud he was having. Oh, no. Mm-hmm, by the feudie. <laughs> the feudie. But we'll get to that later. First, another quote about Peter's estate or compound that he called Nygard Key. Nygard Key is a 150,000 square foot estate in Lyford Key, Bahamas. This estate features fake volcanoes spouting dry ice, a gym on the beach. So this is even more than I was telling you before. Statues of nudes supposedly modeled on Nygaard's exes. Oh, ew. A disco hut with cameras under the floors. A disco with hut? With cameras under the floors. Okay. Did I was, I'm that? sorry. I'm sorry. I did, but I, I couldn't get past disco hut. A disco hut. hut with cameras under, under the, the floors. What the fuck? Looking up no. into the dancers. No. An underground Mayan-themed cave housing 30 cars and an indoor swimming pool with glass through the middle, which allegedly had dolphins on one side and sharks on the other. Mm. The article went on to say... Massive cauldrons come to life, blazing with flames. The eyes of concrete Mayan-style gargoyles and snakes glow like embers. Angry organ chords in a minor key shoot out across the ocean, the beach, and the surrounding properties. The foreboding first notes of the theme to Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. When Peter Nygaard lived at his estate, or compound, in Nygaard Key, neighbors say that that was the nightly soundtrack. In the booming early 2000s, Nygaard Key was a playground for lingerie and bikini models flown in from Vegas and other major U.S. cities. Wow. So this place is like one big-ass party mm-hmm. seven days a week. I can't even describe to you what this place looks like. You can see photos. I was going to say. videos. I want to see it now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just insane what this place looks like. And it's insane. They literally partied from sunup to sundown. That sounds so exhausting. It sounds like an accident waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. For sure. Notorious and prominent people like George H.W. Bush, Robert De Niro, Michael Jackson, and Prince Andrew have all been known to stay and or visit Nygaard Key. Why am I not surprised by any of those names? Especially, right? And doesn't this sound a lot like Jeffrey Epstein? Yes. Like they're, they're... brothers. And almost. from what I hear, which is this is all I know about Peter Nygaard besides what you've told me so far, is that he was worse. Worse than Epstein. Worse. So why is no one talking about this? Right. It doesn't make sense to me. Mm-mm. But anyway, I've never okay. even no. I don't I have no I had idea. no clue who he was until now. Very wealthy people have been said to pay a reported $42,000 a night. Wow. One worker at his estate said that he had a Nygaard dictionary mm. and his workers who he hired could only use words within that dictionary. What there, the fuck? Mm-hmm, there was no please, no thank you. You had to respond to any emails he sent you within 24 hours. I'm surprised he even gave them that long. I quit. <laughs> and anyone who came into the building, this is what's really going to get you. Anyone who came into the building had to sit and watch videos about him before he would conversate with them. What the fuck? This is all alleged, I should say. Okay. But this is from a worker. Douchebag. Wow. Okay. The videos would be him talking about himself. (laughs) Yeah. Or celebrities like Oprah Winfrey and Robin Mm -hmm. Leach um, talking about his estate. Oh, my God. So after 1998, supposedly Peter Nygaard rebranded again, and he just wanted Nygaard for the branding. His own face was the face of his brand. Of course. <laughs> why, why not? Remember in the beginning how I was talking about Nygaard's pamper parties that he would throw and how they really weren't pamper parties at all? Mm-hmm. Rochette Ross was one of Nygaard's house managers. She spoke out publicly about how the pamper parties went down like late, much later, mm-hmm. much, much later after pamper parties were being held. She said that the staff would use social media platforms like Facebook to post about parties at Nygaard's estate, Nygaard Key. They'd almost always, like, advertise these huge parties, saying that they would offer free dinners, massages, pedicures, and boat rides, that was a quote, to guests who came to the party. What's the catch? Oh, there's a catch. Rochette said that the parties were made for, quote-unquote, females, because Peter Nygaard disliked having competition. So I've listened to a lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews, a lot of YouTube videos. I've read a lot of articles about Peter Nygaard. One of them said that he only allowed men in if they were accompanied by five women. What the fuck? This is alleged. 
I don't know for sure, but this was someone who worked for him. Right, yeah. So once the pamper parties began, staff members would start photographing the women, okay, who were Mm -hmm. there and entering them into Nygaard's personal database. What? Nygaard would rate them with an A, B, C, or D. Oh my God, you're an F, Nygaard. Mm -hmm. What? And an A ranking was a top tier ranking. This means the woman is the most beautiful. Rochette Ross said in one of the articles that I read that the women who were ranked as an A were ones that Nygaard deemed to have, quote, a nice toilet, a nice ass, and it had to be big and round, end quote. There's more on that later. Okay. During these parties, Nygaard would set his sights on whoever he wanted for the night and even have backup options, reportedly. Okay. He would proposition the girl and ask if she would spend the night with him, sometimes, and if they said no, Rochette, his house manager, said the girl would be drugged. If Peter Peter Nygaard wanted someone to stay the night, she was going to stay the night. Oh, my God. Rochette said that she has seen bartenders at the estate slip pills into women's drinks for Nygaard. Rochette also said that if a woman were to escape the estate, which has also been referred to as a compound, like I said, Bohemian police would bring the girl or woman back against their will. The police. Wow. So I want to throw really quick a trigger warning in here. Lots of sexual abuse. Um, Lots of sexual abuse. I'm before a... The, a lot of it is going to be sexual abuse. I don't tell any of the survivor stories except one. And there's a lot. But I'm, I'm and I'll try and give you a warning before a very graphic portion. Okay. So a typical night at a party that Nygaard threw, that Peter Nygaard threw, would be Nygaard luring his victims into his bedroom. On some occasions, his glorified groomers would bring them to his room under the false pretense of talking business. I heard that in a lot of different interviews with survivors was, so he owned a clothing company, a clothing manufacturer. So he, these, these women in particular, the bohemian women who were there and who saw like the, the Facebook statuses and got in and got accepted or who sometimes the staff would even reach out to. And wow. ask them to come. They were thinking that they were potentially going to model his clothes. Right. Which is why a lot of them were there. I'm sure that there were people there who were in the industry who were just, you know, wanting to hang out and party and yeah. have free beer and drinks. But there were a lot of a, a lot of the Bohemian women who lived there or near there. They didn't live on Lyford Key, but in the Bahamas. They were wanting to start a career for themselves yeah it wasn't about the party that's so sad so many of them they had dreams of becoming models that was their life dream Mm -hmm. a number of the bohemian women and underage girls who were interviewed later on said that they had been dreaming of being models for years and years and they felt like this party that they were going to attend was their ticket in so when a groomer approached them and said nygaard wanted to wanted to talk to them in private about business it didn't feel weird or scary it felt like their wildest dreams were about to come true once the woman or underage girl was in nygaard's room he would then violently rape them he would coerce them into performing sexual acts on him and he would reportedly do vile disgusting sexual acts on them one report said and this is the huge trigger warning that i was talking about I want you to skip 10 or 15 seconds if you don't want to hear about extreme sexual trauma. One report I was listening to via a podcast said that he would make these girls defecate in his mouth. No. Or demand to drink their menstrual blood. No. He would rape them. He would use torture tactics on them. He had a very, very sick mind, and he would do anything and everything he could to get himself off, no matter the age of the girl or the age of the woman that he chose for the night. When he was finished, he would send them away with an envelope of cash or have one of his employees give them cash. And this was Nygaard's way of telling them to be quiet. Fuck you. Especially, I mean, that's horrible no matter what, but especially they thought they were doing something. They thought that they were about to get like Mm -hmm. this ticket into their careers and meet with this world-renowned man. This head honcho guy yeah who seemed like he was just so awesome and great and Uh he was going to give them this big opportunity yeah and a lot of these women were coming from impoverished communities in the bahamas and 
they were the only providers for their entire home. Right. And so that was going to be the big break that they needed. Mm -hmm. And it is also said that a lot of the people who worked for him, like in his home, like doing these things, were also women from impoverished communities who were the only people working from their homes. So that was kind of like his, a lot of, there were women that he flew in Mm -hmm. from the States too, but a lot of his targets for lack of a better word, like this, that he was setting his sights on, were bohemian women from impoverished communities. Young bohemian girls who were still in school that he could easily persuade. And he chose the girls and the women based on their beauty, their physical beauty, and the fact that he believed that they would never tell. If he thought that they may tell or if they threatened to tell, which most of them didn't because they were so terrified and Mm -hmm. traumatized. Well, and the thing is, too, who's going to believe them? Exactly. Sad, as sad as it is. Exactly. It's, it's how it is. He would make it known that he could easily kill them. Yeah. It was easy for him to say things like, oh, well, your car could run off the road. Mm. Things like that. He said that to one of his survivors. And that would be enough to terrify anyone into submission. Right. So these young women would go to these parties thinking they were about to catch their big break, that this huge fashion designer, as he called himself, saw something in them, only to allegedly be raped and even tortured and have their dreams of becoming models never go anywhere. Mm. He never, Peter, Peter Nygaard never intended on making these girls and women into supermodels. He would sometimes tell them that he would contact them about future modeling contracts, but that was only to keep them quiet. Right. And like keep them in his grasp. Right. Yeah. Because if that opportunity might still, if there's a little bit of a chance, then yeah, they're not going to say anything. If there's a chance that I can make money and and get food for my family. What a disgusting piece of trash. There's a podcast that interviewed Rochette Ross, who was the woman I was just talking about earlier, called Uncover. Rochette is featured on episode three, and I think it's a completely brilliant interview. So Rochette Ross had originally got a job at Nygaard Key as a massage therapist, and she reported there's a whole story behind that that is in the Uncover podcast, Mm -hmm. like her her like getting that job. How she got it Mm -hmm. and she had to go through probably to get uh it. Her first interaction with Peter. Ew. But so she gets the job as a massage therapist, and she reported that she was also a survivor of Nygaard. It's reported by Rochette and others that Peter Nygaard basically owned and had ties with everyone, especially in the Bahamas, hence the Bohemian police allegedly right. bringing girls back to his compound. Yeah, there's there's um, some money mm-hmm. getting and shuffled around yep, there. Yep. Speaking of money, he paid off a lot of high-ranking progressive liberal party members, reportedly. And Rochette would be the one, Rochette Ross, along with others who would have to deliver these payments. One time they stuffed a fish full of bundles of cash with an estimated $100,000 in it. A fish? Uh Uh-huh. So he had a lot of money and he paid people a lot of money to shut the fuck up about everything he was doing because people knew and Mm -hmm. we'll get more, we'll get on that later. So really quickly, we're going to switch avenues again and talk very, very quickly about stem cell research. Oh. Isn't that just a a big curve? Yeah. (laughs) But this is when it comes to Peter Nygaard, because this has been another disgusting, very triggering issue that has come to light in the past few months. So Peter has done a lot of interviews in the past talking about how he's big into stem cell research and how he's going to, quote, live forever or die trying, end quote, (laughs) which he quotes himself saying (laughs) in almost every interview I found. He quotes himself. Okay. And he just thinks it's the most genius thing that anyone has ever said. You don't know shit, Peter. You don't know what you're doing. Now, I'm not a scientist. No. Okay. And this is a quote from the sun.com. The tycoon allegedly ended up establishing his stem cell research company on the island of St. Kitts near his home in the Bahamas. Cronin alleges that the purpose for this company was to use aborted fetuses from his pregnant girlfriends to provide him with, with fresh stem cells. What the fuck? I no. may be the only person in the world who has my own embryos growing in a Petri dish, he said. An ex-girlfriend wrote in 2014 in a memoir about a trip she took with Nygaard to, a, to Ukraine where he was having stem cell research done. He asked, do you know what the best stem cells are? She wrote, to which she replied, embryos. 
Correct, he said. If you got pregnant and had an abortion, we could use those embryonic cells and have a life supply for all of us. You, your mother, and me. A lot of people are doing it, he replied, end quote. No. Yep. Yeah. I can't stop saying what the fuck. Yeah. What the fuck? I think that that's disgusting, and I don't feel the need to go into more detail about it. I don't feel like it's it's not going to help or change the situation at Mm -hmm. all. And I know a lot of our listeners have been impacted by infertility or miscarriages or things that are very sensitive in that nature. And so I don't, I just want to end that part there. Right. Just know he was involved in quote unquote stem cell research. And multiple people came out saying that he force them to have abortions so he could inject yeah. themselves with the embryonic fluid God. or whatever it was so whew, an switch. actual monster like this guy's horrible honestly God so damn. switching lanes again as we get closer to the end of the story one of the most notorious feuds that peter nygaard has been in is with a hedge fund dude named lewis bacon Vanity Fair published an article titled the billionaire battle in the bahamas quote Peter Nygaard is a hard-partying retail tycoon whose estate is fit for a Mayan emperor. Louis Bacon is a buttoned-up hedge fund king whose passion is conservation. Both are locked in an eight-year legal war with each other that has turned each man's paradise into hell. End quote. That's from Vanity Fair. So these two live next to each other, but they couldn't be more different. Peter is a party animal. Louis is more reserved. And this is going to sound strange, to you but these millionaire potentially billionaire neighbors shared a driveway oh really they shared a driveway Weird. it was just like a very it, it was it's a very odd like setup mm-hmm. but the biggest blowout that they had started over the driveway essentially and what happened as a result of the sharing of it so you know how peter nygaard had parties every night mm-hmm these party goers would have to park on lewis's driveway too oh yeah So eventually, Lewis reportedly got tired of his driveway constantly being blocked and taken up by thousands, thousands of vehicles. And he decided to have his section of the driveway, quote, regraded and rebuilt, adding a dip and tall flagstone walls on either side, leaving no shoulder space for anybody to ever conceivably think of parking there (laughs) while also screening the driveway from view, end quote, from that Vanity Fair article. So if you think about it, it's like a large dip. So they couldn't park there. Right. I mean, not unless you were like an expert parker. Um, But the problem problem was when it rained, it would get flooded there. And he didn't think about that. So this whole ordeal just sent Peter into a tailspin because his party goers were inconvenienced. Right. And that's the only thing that mattered to him was partying. Because he wanted to rape a woman every night. Raping people. Yep. So this driveway issue led to at least 16, maybe more by the end of 2020, lawsuits and legal action attempts by each other. It got so bad that Lewis Bacon hadn't even set foot in the Bahamas at his estate for over a year, which could be more now, who knows, Mm -hmm. at one point due to fearing for his physical safety after threats were made by Nygaard and his team. At that point, just sell it to Peter Nygaard, right? He would probably buy it. Probably. So we've talked about the parties, we've talked about his estate, his life growing up, his disgusting fantasies, his stem cell research, quote, Mm -hmm. and one of his most notorious feuds. But now let's talk about the sexual violence allegations and what happened as a result. There's a documentary called Unseemly that's streaming on Discovery Plus, I think it is. I had to do a free trial. I have to remember to cancel it. <laughs> you won't. Um, <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> that, um, but I watched it, and that was incredibly telling. So there's a journalist named Ryan Thorpe who has been following Peter Nygaard for years, and he said that there was rumblings about Peter's sexual abuse allegations and his misconduct from very early on, which is probably no surprise, seeing as he's been allegedly raping women since as early as the 1970s, and potentially even earlier than that. Mm-hmm. The Winnipeg Free Press actually published a piece in 1996 titled Special Report, The Nygaard Complaints, and then in big bold letters it said, Humiliation and Harassment. There were three women who spoke up all the way back then wow. about sexual harassment complaints, and Peter Nygaard ended up settling with them. So they of would recant. Of course, because if you have enough money, you don't have to pay for anything that exactly. you've ever done. And there's a whole big thing with the Winnipeg Press where the journalists were trying to 
get these stories out and inform mm-hmm. people and they kept putting a cap on the stories oh my god mm-hmm. because somebody's paying somebody there are so many survivors of Peter Nygaard's that we would quite literally have to do dozens of episodes to talk about each of their stories. But there are a lot of videos on podcasts and even that documentary where survivors speak up and you can listen to all of their stories on those. I will have some of those linked in the show notes, but I do want to talk about one of Peter's earliest known survivors who has come forward. In 1972, a woman named Susan applied to work at Nygaard's company. She interviewed for and secured a clerical position. However, someone had also told her to consider doing modeling for the company, but that never went anywhere. Susan was around 19 or 20 when she started working for Nygaard. She says that his office looked out at all of the women working in the front of the building. Of course. So he just essentially could just watch them all day, Mm -hmm. you know, like a predator does. Right. Nygaard called Susan when she wasn't at work at one point and asked her to go to a hockey game with him. Susan remembers him driving a white Pantera. So Peter Nygaard picks her up from her parents' house. She said that she remembered that during that game, he was just standing there and sitting there talking to everyone around them. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, boast, I'm sure boasting about himself. Oh, right. Talking about his company and what a big fashion designer he was. I'm so rich. Mm -hmm. I'm so orange. I have a yacht. She said that she doesn't remember them talking too much. You oh, know? no. She's just there as an object. When they were on their way to bring Susan home, he pulled into a parking lot and told her that she should get a drink with him and they could talk for a bit and get to know each other because you couldn't do that at the game. Right. Isn't that no, why you, you go on a date? At the game. Yeah, exactly. She said that that was fine, but after the drink, she needed to go home to her parents. So he gets her into the building and he almost immediately started to rip her clothes off forcefully aggressively there was no consent no asking no hey would you like to take this further or would you like to have sex with me it was just super forward and super aggressive susan said that he yanked at her shirt so hard that all of the buttons popped off and Mm. she was wearing like a button-up blouse yeah he yanked her trousers off and pushed her down onto a bench and susan remembers to this day how he kept repeating quote You know, Nancy Sinatra loves to fuck. What? End quote. Why? Isn't that so strange? Susan, so Susan is talking in that documentary and unseemly, and she's just sitting there and you can see the emotion on her face. Mm -hmm. She says that she tried to push him away. I should just, just so you guys know, once again, I'm going to be talking about sexual assault. So if you want to skip ahead, please do. So she said that she tries getting up. She tries to push him away. But he then decides to position his arm across her neck. When she recounts how Peter Nygaard violently sexually assaulted her in the documentary Unseemly, she fights to hold back tears. I was watching it and I could literally just see in her eyes how much pain he's caused her. This happened in 1972. Yeah. And she's describing it like she's in those moments right now. It doesn't go away. Yep. I could just see her remembering those moments as she was talking. And I just felt so deeply for her because those moments are literally still frames in her mind that have been burnt into her memory. Mm -hmm. And it will never go away no matter how hard she tries to forget it. No. So Susan says that she tries fighting him off, but every single time she would make a move to get up, his arm would tighten down on her neck. Mm. Eventually, she just said to herself that there was nothing she could do, and she, quote unquote, let it happen. Susan said that after it was over, he was looking out a window, pleasing himself, and she excused herself to go to the restroom, grabbed her clothes, and when she was out of sight of him, she ran. Susan's father was the head of Vice City Police at the time. And she was afraid to tell him. She was afraid to tell her parents because it was different times, she said. Yeah. The world was different. And it was always a woman's fault. And she didn't want her dad to have to deal with that. Mm. In 1980, Peter was 38. This would be the very first time he was publicly accused of sexual assault, not by Susan. It was in all of the papers. So this is a few years later. It was in all of the papers. It was huge news throughout the community. Mm -hmm. You know, like this big time success clothing manufacturer, rags to riches, Peter Nygaard, accused of rape, Mm -hmm. you know. However, the charge was stayed by the Crown after the alleged victim refused to testify during the trial. It said that he was locked up for a very short time before, and they went through his things, and there was a book, okay? Perhaps mm-hmm. at his home. I don't know if it, was, if it was at his work where. But no matter how or where they found it, in this book, there was a bunch of women's names in it. And Susan's dad was doing the investigating, 
Oh, was her name in there? (gasps) Mm -hmm. He found the book Uh, and he found Susan's name in there. And next to Susan's name, it said, quote unquote, needs more work. Oh, my God. So naturally. Sick. mm -hmm, Her father approached her and asked why her name would be in that book. And Susan ended up telling her mother. And she just assumes that her mom told her dad. Mm -hmm. But nothing was ever said about it again in her at at all. Right. So it went away for everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. except for Susan. On December 14th of 2020, only a few months ago from when we're recording this. We have some breaking news for you. Canadian fashion mogul Peter Nygaard has been arrested. Reports say Nygaard was arrested last night and is now in custody in Winnipeg. He has been under investigation for allegations of sexual assault in Winnipeg, the United States, and the Bahamas. The FBI raided his offices in New York and Los Angeles earlier this year. Finally. Wow. So do we know what tipped them off? There wasn't just one thing that like set them, set everything into motion. Mm-hmm. They had been watching him for quite a while. Okay. And like these, these reports had been going on for a while too. Yeah. But then finally 10 women also got together. 10 Jane oh, Doe's okay. is what they were, what they were first known as mm-hmm. because they wanted to be safe. Right. Because Nygaard has people everywhere. Well, that's the thing too with you know? the law enforcement and all of that. Yep. He's such a high profile, wealthy man. Right. That you have to be careful. Exactly. You have to be able to make it stick. Exactly. So there were originally 10 quote unquote Jane Doe's and now there's like over 80, maybe wow. over 100. It j- the, the list keeps growing. Heroes. Heroes. This is a quote from NBCNews.com. Federal authorities alleged Tuesday that a Canadian fashion designer used his company to prey on girls and young women that they say he sexually assaulted and used to serve friends and business associates. Peter Nygaard, the 79-year-old head of the Nygaard Group, was arrested by Royal Canadian Mounted Police in Winnipeg on Monday, officials said. He was hit with a nine-count grand jury indictment that includes charges of racketeering conspiracy, conspiracy to commit sex trafficking, trafficking of minors, forced sex trafficking, and transportation of a minor for prostitution, Mm. end quote. So in the beginning, the 10 Jane Doe's were listed on the lawsuit. Now, like I said, there's so many more, so many more women who have had the courage to step forward and so many that still can't quite do that yet. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, yeah, it's super courageous for these women to be able to do that. But there's probably a lot of them that can't for so many other reasons. They don't have the resources. There's probably a lot of women I heard that are in the Bahamas that are afraid to go to Bohemian police because they know that some people have been paid. Yeah. Now that's reported, alleged. Supposed. Supposed. It's not proven. And the Bohemian police strongly deny having any ties to him. Well, they're not going to admit it anyway, probably. But we're just saying. Mm Mm-hmm. So nearly two months later, after being arrested and being raided by the FBI, after spending that time in a Canadian jail on a U.S. extradition request, Peter Nygaard was denied bail. In February, wow. mm-hmm. in February, he was facing nine counts of sex trafficking. Fe- I should say February of 2021. He was facing nine counts of sex trafficking and racketeering in the U.S. And Peter Nygaard, of course, denies everything. And he was in court via a video conference. Okay. Justice Sean Greenberg denied him bail, fearing that if he was released, she worried that he would tamper with witnesses and mm-hmm. that he's a flight risk. I mean, right. he's, he's done this with witnesses in the past. He's paid them off. Yeah. Peter Nygaard's attorneys and lawyers rebutted, saying poor Peter's declining health would leave him in a vulnerable state poor should Peter. he catch the corona while stuck in his prison cell. Oh, oops. <laughs> oops. <sighs> to which Justice Sean Greenberg said, quote, it is not a get out of jail free card. No. End quote. Honestly, like, sorry. Mm-hmm. So naturally, Nygaard and his team appealed the decision by Justice Sean Greenberg, and in March of 2021, they headed back to court. Nygaard's defense team argued that Justice Sean Greenberg made several critical errors during the decision to deny him bail. They gave the court their very own bail plan, saying that if he could be released to his home, he would have constant monitoring of his computer and his cell phone. So? What does that do? I don't give a fuck, Peter. The bail plan said that the court could order additional conditions such as restricting visitors, guard monitoring, and other outlandish things. The judge said that his bail plan was impractical. 
she brought up the fact that he could use a burner phone. Like, mm-hmm. anybody could waltz in there and give him another phone. Yeah. You how, know? how about the fact that he shouldn't be comfy in his mansion exactly. with his dragons and sharks exactly. while awaiting this shit? No. She also said that she, quote, wasn't convinced that the new plan that his attorneys came up with addressed flaws that the previous justice had noted, end mm. quote. But even if she was wrong on this, she believes keeping him jailed is still necessary. Good. This is a quote from the New York Times. In his own affidavit, Mr. Nygaard said that since his arrest on behalf of the United States is in connection with sex crimes and other charges, I am getting weaker every day. I have lost weight. I have difficulty breathing. It's getting worse. I have suffered dizziness and fainting spells as well as have numbness in my hands and toes. He added that the jail food full of sugar and carbohydrates, which he had cut from his diet, had made him violently sick, end quote. Does anybody give a fuck? Does anyone feel bad for him? No. And that was the last update that I saw. I'm sure his lawyers are hard at work on getting him out so he can conjure up a scheme to sexually assault more underage little girls and women and flee offshore somewhere. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, in April of 2021, that hasn't happened yet. So just a little bit more before we close this out. Peter Nygaard has seven children, four daughters, mm. and three sons. Um, and they're from a, few, a couple of different women. I know for a fact that one son named Kai is speaking up against his father mm. and that he has his own story about working behind the scenes with the FBI to take his father down, oh, wow. claiming that he witnessed Peter having inappropriate behavior with an underage child. Wow. As I close this, I want to once again reiterate that nothing has been proven in court yet, and everything I have said in this podcast is alleged. I don't feel like being sued by this disgusting, vile, despicable excuse for a human being, but I do think that you know where I stand on this. Oh, yeah. And I think it's incredibly brave and courageous that after all of these years, these women are kind of like banding together and coming forward and reclaiming their lives and being survivors. Right. So... Wow. I hope he rots. Same. And that's Peter Nygaard in a nutshell. What a pile of horse shit he is. Honestly, sincerely. Um, I think he is probably now the most terrible man that I've ever researched. Yeah. I know it's kind of hard and it's kind of hard to categorize them like in a little Excel sheet. Right. And they're not always comparable. But like this man has taken so much from so many people. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the worst ways. Right. And then just his wealth allowing him to get away with things is just a whole new layer of shit in the shit pie that is Peter Nygaard. Yep. And there's so much more info out there. And so many of the survivors have been speaking up and going on camera even, telling their stories. And that is in the Unseemly documentary. And then there's also a lot of audio interviews in the Uncover podcast. And I highly recommend both of those if you want to learn more and listen to those stories. Because it's just incredible what these people went through. Right. Wow. Well, thanks for informing me about this pile of waste. You are very welcome. Thanks for listening to me on this gloomy Saturday. So as we get into our reading, watching, listening, I was telling you, I've been listening to all these CBC podcasts. Which I think is crazy that you were listening to can- Canadian yeah. podcast. And I kept hearing. And I was researching yes. a Canadian criminal. Yeah, I kept hearing commercials for the Uncover, the, uh-huh. the podcast about him. And I'm like, hmm, like, I wonder what that's all about. I knew nothing. Yeah. Neither so, did I. And I don't know how we hadn't heard of this. I know. It's, it's such a big I mean, thing. Right. And maybe before, like, it was probably more hush-hush in, like, right. the Bahamas and in Canada. But, like, this all unfolded in December. Right. And then there were two different ca- two different hearings mm-hmm. in January and March. Yeah. It's so weird. So what are the Canadian podcasts that you're speaking about? So I think I talked about this one a little bit last week because I finished the search for Jermaine. Oh, okay. Um, there was only one more episode to come out of that, and I finished that one. But Connie Walker also did Missing and Murdered. And the first season is about the murder of Alberta Williams in Canada. And she was a young indigenous woman and she was murdered in, I I think that, I think 1981. Oh, wow. And it's unsolved. And her body was found along the Highway of Tears in Canada, where a lot, a lot of indigenous women have gone missing from 
or been found murdered on. And then season two of Missing and Murdered is called Finding Cleo. And Cleo was a little indigenous girl. So she had six siblings or she was one of six. Sure. And they were all taken. Oh, my God. From her mother. She was a single mother. (sighs) And could you imagine being that mother? They were all placed with different families, different white families. So some some of the siblings came to the United States. Two of the sisters, I think, were adopted together. Mm-hmm. And the rest, were they were all separated. Wow. And Cleo, the family had always assumed that she, because this is what they heard, that she was raped and murdered. Oh, my God. In 1975-ish, 1974, 1975. But they didn't know her adopted name. Her last name. Oh. So they could never find... All they had was, like, their very vague memories. Some of her siblings were even babies when she was taken, so they never really knew her at all. Sure. Um, But some were older, and they they did remember Cleo. But all they had was this inch-high photograph of her from when... Before she was taken. Yeah. And adopted out. And Connie Walker investigates, and they end up finding about... Finding who adopted her, what happened to her. Wow. And it's not what they thought. She wasn't even in the same state that they thought. And Connie Walker also, she in both of these seasons, but mostly in the Finding Cleo season, she gets into the residential schools. Okay. And the 60s scoop. The residential schools were when children were literally taken from their families and put into these schools to like assimilate them. Wow. I had never, I never knew about these schools, but the abuse and the sexual sexual abuse these the children literally taken from everything that they know so dis- that's so fucking terrible they're not allowed to use their their native language they're take they're stripped of all of their culture and identity and some of them didn't even go home all year round like it's i never knew that this was even and a this thing. was just a thing like that happened yeah like it was normal just, yeah for them isn't that crazy and then the 60s scoop is is they call it the 60s scoop but it was really i think like the 50s through the 80s when a lot of these indigenous children were getting literally taken from their homes and adopted out to white families i just i never even knew i had no idea and the oh, harm that yeah. all of this has caused is profound I just don't understand why this is not spoken about more. We didn't learn about this, but I highly, highly recommend. Yeah, I have to listen to those. All of Missing and Murdered. And then I listened to Someone Knows Something about Cheryl Shepard, the disappearance of Cheryl Shepard, also in Canada. She was proposed to on live TV at a New Year's Eve ball. Wow. And like the next day, she was missing. Oh, and no. And it's kind of one of those where you pretty much you know who did it. Was it's it the guy who proposed it. to her? That's what everybody thinks. Yeah. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Why propose to her? Yeah. But th- that was my first episode I've ever listened to of Someone Knows Something. And I should see his name really quick. David Ridgen does a really good job investigating. He went. He sent the tape of the proposal to someone who analyzes like behavior and body language sure. with no like um, context. He just really dug deep into that. Yeah. And then the last one I listened to was a season of Uncover. Which is just so yeah. fucking ironic because mm-hmm. we did not talk about Uncover. Right. No, not at other. all. Not at all. Um, I listened to the one about the murder of Charmini Anandaval. And she was a 15-year-old girl from Canada. Police think that she was lured away on the promise of this great new job that she was going to have. And then she was found. Her remains were found like four months later. My God. And it's unsolved. And it's another one where they think that they know... I've never it? heard of that either. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of any of these. What the fuck? Probably because they're in on? Canada and yeah, we're but not. But still, still, like you would yeah. think that. Mm-hmm. I mean, God. And I sent you that picture of Charmini after I finished. Yes. She's so fucking beautiful. The, and it's just, yeah, oh, oh, it's God. so sad. Yeah. So it's been. I've been in Canada all week, and then I watched that cruel summer show yes that we were talking about yes it's really good and i really think that you would like yeah, it. yeah i really want to watch yeah, that that one is about this kind of like group of friends almost and it's three summers so like 1993 94 and 95 and it kind of focuses on a different character each episode from what i'm gathering there yeah. aren't that many episodes but it's the summer before 
and then the summer a girl goes missing and then the next summer is like the aftermath of that girl going missing but it's really good if you guys have been listening to any true crime podcast you guys have probably heard the ads and it's good and like i said i was worried about it being kind of like cheesy like pretty little liars or like riverdale but it's more mature than those it's still a teen thriller teen drama anyway what about you what's going on so as far as podcast goes I listened to, well, the Uncover podcast, obviously. I didn't listen to the whole season on Peter Nygaard, but I listened to the first few episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, Highly recommend. I listened to a couple of Crime Junkie episodes. I listened Mm -hmm. to um, a podcast by Tori. So I did not know that Tori Telfer has a podcast. And I really like a, her book. I have one of her books. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Do I have to look? In, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, but she has a podcast with Karina Michelle and it's called Red Flags. Okay. And they have one on Peter Nygaard. Oh, okay. And I was like, wow, small world. I know. Her. I don't know her personally, but I, I know of her and I like her. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for all of the stuff on Peter Nygaard and I found this episode. Actually, I think they have two episodes on on him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I listened to Red Flags. I listened to Crime Junkie. I listened to Tori has another podcast called Criminal Broads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's all female criminals. Okay. I listened to like, I started to listen to one of those. And I think that that is it for as far as podcast goes. Mm-hmm. I am reading Synthetic Love by our little love, Christina Hart. A little love. A little love. A little love pocket. bug. I'm not watching anything. I've been doing a lot of work. been doing a lot of CrossFit. <laughs> Getting buff. Getting buff. Like, I almost knocked my desk over with my... She slammed her Ow. water bottle down. <laughs> And she was just about taken down by her phone. Yes. And that <laughs> fucking hurt my pinky. Anyway, you guys. But yeah, so I haven't been, you guys know I haven't been watching shit. No, but, but I've been you, I'm going to make you listening. watch Cruel Summer and yes. report back at least the first episode. I will. See how you like it. I'm going to report back next week. Okay. Um, I have been watching a little of the old CrossFit games. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, oh, when fun. I get into something, <laughs> I like really get yeah. into it. Yeah. I will never be a CrossFit game type of gal. No. Or even like a, close to that. But I really enjoy watching them, yeah. like, and how strong these people are. It's, like, mind-blowing mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. how strong these people yeah. are. Like, how? How? How do you do that? No. I can barely lift a figure, okay? Truly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that that's it. All right. If you guys want to send us an email, you can do that at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. Look at our Instagram at cruelandunusualthepod. Go to cruelinkmedia.com for merch, show notes, source material, um, things like that. I tweet. She tweets. At cruelunusualpod. Sometimes. Sometimes she does. And join our Facebook group, Cruel and Unusual colon the group. that's a dot above a dot the group yes you got it right how did you know Tori? <laughs> it's a wonder that is a dot that is the dot above the dot on the keyboard mm-hmm. the two dots the two dots but not vertically yes <laughs> <laughs> holy shit we have been doing this for far too long you we guys. are hunger struck okay hunger struck all right we love you we love you bye bye, bye.